We have Mercedes Schlapp, former White House Strategic Communications Director and a host of CPAC, Mercy Schlapp, and Matt Schlapp, who is Chairman, American Conservative Union, Fox News political contributor, and host of America Uncanceled on CPAC Now, along with wife Mercedes. And then I have next CPAC is in Hungary in May. So my first question is, why wasn't I invited to the CPAC in Hungary? Larry, you've got a season pass with us. I mean, you want to come on the road with us. We're going to go to Hungary in May. We're going to go to Mexico City in September. We're seeing about Israel because of all the virus stuff. Uh, and then we're going to be in Dallas, which is where you've already told me you want to be in Texas, our next big, big, big. CPAC in August. It's going to be a heck of a ride. Yeah, I'm going to probably pass on Hungary um, <laughs> for a variety of reasons, but I, w- I do want to make the Dallas one. I definitely want to make the Dallas one. We'd love to have you back. You know, you play an important role, and we said this on stage a couple of times, where you've been somebody who's understood this free market, uh, pro-human freedom message for a couple of decades in politics, and you help knit it together, which is what we have to do to be successful. We don't need to be warring factions. We need to be a coalition of people understanding what the goals are. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think we're gaining on it. Uh, That's an interesting point, Mercy. I mean, I think being out of power right now, as we have been, but watching the, you know, radical left progressive movement from, from Joe Biden on down, has given uh, conservatives a chance kind of almost to regroup around a set of uh, important values and a set of important policies. I mean, I think, I think that's been knitting, knitting itself together in some way. Well, I got to tell you, Larry, I think that you find that Americans are basically thinking back and saying, goodness gracious, can we bring the guy who had the mean tweets back? Like, this is worse than I would have ever thought, because all of a sudden you're seeing a vacuum of leadership in the United States. And, you know, even when the liberals are in power, you just at least want them to be somewhat successful in terms of, like, making sure that we have strong national security and our economy is in a strong position. But that's not what's happening at all. And so while I do think conservatives have, you know, found an opportunity to regroup, what we're also finding is this ability to expand the base because mm. now you're seeing parents uh, who were never involved in politics saying, what is going on? We've lost Disney world. We're losing our schools. They're mm. basically trying to indoctrinate our children with all this uh, confusion. Uh, and I think that it's really backfiring. And so you're seeing so many new activists come into the conservative fold because they realize like what we stand for is so much common sense. And it's about, uh, ensuring that we, you know, protect this great country and uh, knowing that our policies do work. The America First policies do work. Yeah, there's a, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think you're both right. I think that, you know, Matt, the, the Biden agenda, which is, again, it's an ultra-radical progressive agenda uh, across the board on taxes, on, on climate change, uh, on parenting, uh, on on schooling, on the borders, on foreign policy, it unraveled so fast, Matt, that there was almost a, a positive shock effect 
among conservatives. Yeah, we're out of power, but look at what these guys have done. It's collapsed. Every single one of them's collapsed. And I think that's the reason the cavalry's on the way. I mean, we probably can't... <laughs> there we go. There we go. Oh God, that's ABC Radio. I love it. Um, but but I think I think the cavalry is on the way. But I do think we need to retake the White House. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think retaking Congress is good because we can stop stuff. Uh, but I think retaking the White House is going to be very important. Yeah, as you know, Larry. Uh, the, the unfortunate thing about living in uh, constitutional duress, as we I think we are in is that uh, the executive branch is where, it's, where it comes down to. The, the Supreme Court has done very little to rein in presidential powers over the decades, and co- Congress has ceded its ability, even on questions of spending and other things, to really oversee what it should be overseeing. So we're in, you know, we don't have a humble executive branch anymore, so if we want to make a difference in America, you've got to win the presidency. And for the Republican Party, I have a very clear message. If you want to, be, if you want to take back the White House, you've got to be – less sharp elbowed about mm. who wants to be a part of our coalition. we got a lot of Democrats. We did this at CPAC. We had Tulsi Gabbard speak, and a lot of people got mad at me. But you know what? She wanted to come dress down her party on woke. we got a lot of Democrats who think cops are good, think the military is important, think that teachers uh, shouldn't have to teach CRT and that America is racist. And we got parents who don't believe they're domestic terrorists. That's just not Republicans and conservatives who care about these sets of issues. It's kind of all common sense people. So we got to broaden the room a little bit. You know, Mercy, you know, you should have to your CPAC gathering in Texas is Elon Musk. I love it. Elon Musk. I'm telling you. (laughs) We're trying to get a hold of him because I have his. I have stuff. Larry, you got to call him. You got to call him for us. Larry, I, have, get him. Yes, I have stuff. Uh, I'm trying to get him on the show. He doesn't. He doesn't like that. But I think he would stand up and give a speech. I mean, look, you know, he's bought out. He hasn't bought out, but he's taken over Twitter. Trust me, it's going to be. Uh, he's going to do it. He's an active guy um, on the free speech movement. But you know, uh, and that's going to be a very, very important change uh, and a welcome change. But He's also, he attacked Build Back Better, okay? He said, we don't need any of this stuff. And he also, I mean, mind you, this is the biggest manufacturer of of electric cars, but he said, uh, this is a couple, three, four weeks ago, he said, yeah, of course, we should be producing more oil and gas. So he's this sort of libertarian person, free markets, obviously pro-business, and I think you should give him a huge spotlight in Dallas. He has, by the way, a big operation in Dallas. He's in Texas a lot of the time. So I I think you got got to get him. Larry, we need your help to get him because, you know, he is, he's so fascinating. I think that he really, for so many of us, every time he's taken a a bold action, uh, for example, you know, just now saying, okay, you know what? I've asked my 80 million followers, uh, you know, if, if Twitter, you know, if there's too much censorship on Twitter and they say, yes, yeah, so let me just buy, you know, let me buy a part of the company. Yeah. And you're just, he takes action and he's unafraid. And he's Mercy. also been helpful on Ukraine as well uh, in making Mercy, sure that me, they have their communications up and running. Yes, sweetheart. Let me tell you a funny story about Elon Musk. You know, about seven, eight years ago, one of the people who was working for him uh, came to me and said, would you, 
would you let Elon Musk speak? And I was like, hell no. He's like the electric car mandate guy. Like, he's not our guy. Boy, did I blow it, Larry. That I had that <laughs> one wrong. Well, look, he – I don't know that he was ever mandates. Now, he – and he's been criticized. But, look, he took tax credits, uh, the Obama tax credits for electric cars. I mean, he took them because they legislated them. And GM oh, yeah. took them and Ford took them and Chrysler took them. In fact, he wound up selling his credits to GM and, and turned a, a nice profit on it. But the point is, it's interesting to me how, you know, we talk a lot about free market capitalism. So here's these social media people getting away with bloody murder and uh, repressing free speech and so forth and tilting the playing field far, far to the left. Uh, I much prefer Elon Musk buying Twitter than I do having the federal government running social media. You follow me? I don't, and, and breaking up technology companies and stuff like that. This is well, a much thing, better way to do it. It's much more uh, efficient, and it has a freedom ring to it. That's why I love the Elon Musk story. And the other thing is the reason why he was out there on the fossil fuels is because he's smart enough to know that a lot of our electricity is generated by fossil fuels in this country. And these ding-dongs on the left, they literally think that the, the electricity is in the wall somewhere, and that's how you get it. But uh, I know, Mercy, you have a better idea on the social media piece. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, interesting, Larry, I think you kind of need a mix because I do think when these and, – and I'm not into over-regulating any sort of businesses, but I do think that uh, the big techs have gotten just too powerful. I mean, when you have, for example, Mark Zuckerberg spending hundreds of millions of dollars – uh, to impact our election, it's very, it's troublesome. I mean, so I think that there is a role for government, uh, but, you know, it, you don't also want to overregulate the companies, but you also don't want these companies to be the ones influencing elections and determining what is free speech or not. Well, that's a, no, that's, a, listen, that's, that's a good point, but it's a state election point. It's not a government running companies point which is my, my, you know, on this, I had Bill Barr on the show, a long interview, 20 minute interview. And he acknowledged uh, that basically that election could have been rigged before it even started to vote because of Zuckerberg. And also there's a dark money piece in that uh, plus, you know, That's sort right. of Zucker, Zuckerberg plus. Yeah. I mean, a lot, you get, you had a lot of these, uh, non-profit 501c3s, they don't have to report, Matt, right? So it's then the dark money players from the left. But I, but Bill Barr's acknowledged that. He said, well, yep, he, he, yep. This is why you should have, you know, to me, a lot of us didn't realize. I realized the fraud because I went to Nevada and saw it firsthand. And I'm experiencing this. I've done politics my whole life. I could walk through the thousands of here and the thousands of illegal votes there. So I have the benefit of that. And most people in this country don't have the benefit of that. And they were told, by the media that it was not a thing. Well, it is a thing. I'll put my whole reputation on the fact that we had very serious problems, but we didn't know about the Zuckerberg money. It took that Time Magazine story to come out and piece it all together because they yeah. all started to brag. All the operatives, that's the one thing about the left they always do. They all started to brag about what they did. And, you know, what they did was really criminal. You really can't have private money flow into, like you said, a publicly held election. Yeah. Um, when you have business before the Congress and that, those administrations, uh, and the no, President Trump had been very forward about the fact that he wanted to regulate these countries or at least allow them to be uh, defend themselves in a court of law through the repeal of Section uh, 230. And, you know, and so 
So they didn't want him to get a second term, and they spent a lot of money to prevent it. Well, I'd be more than happy to repeal Section 230, by the way. I think that's a big thing. But the uh, the rest of it is a, a state election law thing, and and that's, you know, a very important issue. All right, got to take a quick break. We are talking to Mercy Slap. We are talking to Matt Slap, two of my dearest friends, both uh, running CPAC and both making fabulous contributions to American political discourse. I'm Larry Kudlow. We will be right back with some more. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. Larry Kudlow here. We're with Mercedes Slap, former White House Strategic Comms Director. Matt Slap, the head of American Conservative Union. They both run CPAC, and they're both very dear friends. Man, kids, I want to just with remaining moments. Mercy, I want to talk about Title 42 and this border catastrophe and how I just the Biden administration and this guy Mayorkas, who just lied on, uh, I don't know, CBS Evening News or someplace that you know, Donald yeah. Trump's the guy who unraveled. Uh, of course, it's they who unraveled the border uh, security. I mean, I want to build the damn wall and I want we should go back to remain in Mexico and we should catch and, and deport. But to get rid of Title 42 uh, with a straight face and think that this is not going to have a catastrophic impact, Mercy, this is beyond me. I absolutely agree. I think that they're calculating about 18,000 people coming in through the border daily with the end of Title 42. You're also seeing a number of Democrat senators like Senator uh, Kristen Sinema and Senator uh, Mark Kelly basically also uh, supporting Republicans and saying we got to keep this in place. And the reality is, is that the Biden administration, they've just abandoned the border. And uh, and with it, what we've seen is increased crime, increased, uh, uh, you, you know, the, the fact that we're seeing more fentanyl, more meth, more cocaine coming through the border. Drug cartels are in charge. Obviously, when it was under President Trump, we were able to get those numbers significantly down. People were not coming across the border. Now they have a huge incentive uh, to come over. Uh, why? Because they know that, you know, they're not going to be deported. They're just going to be picked up, put in a bus and taken to another city where whether you're a family unit or a single uh, adult male. And Matt, I, I mean, I think this will have a big political impact. I, I mean, I think that this is not just a border issue. This is a national issue. And I think there's just no support for all the it's funny. It's not only the lack of sovereignty and clear borders. But as Mercy was saying, you've got the drug traffickers, you've got the sex traffickers, you've got the children's traffickers, and you've got spreading it around the country. I mean, this is a big political issue, is it not? Yeah. So we remember back to peace through strength, which you know well, which was it wasn't just building up our uh, economy. It was having a strong American culture and a strong American uh, excuse me, it wasn't just building up our national defense. It was about building up our national economy and our culture. And so what happens with the borders, it all kind of collides, Larry. You have this, the drugs that are flowing over that are poisoning our kids. Uh, you know, it's an epidemic proportion up over 100% this death from fentanyl, most of it made in China, in China. Then you have the question about over 100 people from over 100 different countries are coming through that border. This is not a Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Mexico thing. This is a, it, the, the world is coming through our southern border. We don't know anything about them. If you want to undermine America, 
It is very easy to do by coming through our southern border. So you hit the national security question, the questions of our economy and our culture, like what's good for our kids. It is a disaster. And I tell you what, Larry, the American people are furious. That's why, Mercy, some of these Democrats are running scared on it. You're right, Kelly. Uh, Hassan from New Hampshire, uh, the one from Las Vegas, Nevada, can never remember her name. They're, they want to sign on to a counter bill, but I don't know if they'll be able to vote on a bill. It's not clear to me. Because remember, this, uh, yeah. this yeah. is the COVID spending is part of this bill. And they can drop the COVID spending and there's no bill. And I'm not sure you could have a separate vote on a separate item. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I think that, the, look, I think that they're, the Democrats are in big trouble on this issue. Uh, you know, you look at the polling, the majority of American people believe we should have a secure border. Uh, they're seeing what's happening in their cities in terms of crime. And, and it gets to the point that I think it hurts the Democrats politically. And the mere fact is, is that they could, the Democrats, you know, Mallorca said this in his interview where he says, well, we don't want inhumane policies. Well, it's inhumane if you're permitting young girls to be sexually assaulted and raped mm-hmm. as they're on this journey through the getting to the border. That's inhumane. It's inhumane if you're seeing these migrants that are coming over and some of them don't even finish the journey because they die. Uh, this is not what we want in terms of a, uh, of our uh, illegal immigration system. And, and quite frankly, I just think the Democrats really failed the American people on this. It will be interesting to see, look, the last thing we need is more COVID spending. You know this, Larry. The Democrats want to spend our, the, our way out of every single problem. Uh, this only, I think, adds additional stress to our economy. Um, and I do think that they, they'll need to figure out if they separate it and, and, and you know, go from there. These, are, these illegals are not going to be helped. I mean, you're right. We're not being compassionate letting them in. I mean, by the way, it's... Um, there's a lot of welfare laws that will not be uh, that will not allocate money to the illegals. It's not that easy anymore. And there's a lot of health care spending that can't be done. We don't have the money. Uh, and the states are not welcoming the illegals. You know, they, we have it here in north of New York City, Westchester County Airport. There was a big story a little while ago in the dead of night. This plane arrives. And it's a bunch of illegal immigrants. Nobody knew what to do with them. Nobody knew they were coming. And everybody got very angry, including local uh, government people, including local Democrats who were running local government people. They didn't like it either. Nobody liked it. And so the illegals, where are they going to go? They don't have any money. I mean, it's, it's very, it's inhumane. Larry, the other thing that's happening is it's not even just uh, that every state in the union is getting these you know, midnight flights with people landing and infiltrating their community. So when you have these border states in Texas, which have predominantly been Democratic through the years, we've had, I think it's four mayor's races have flipped from D to R. Mm -hmm. You're having all kinds of changes in the Texas legislature. The same thing's happening, by the way, in Arizona along the border. They have less of the border, but they have border there, too. And so what you're seeing is, is that this whole open border with all the drugs and all the crime and all the unknowns, It is not popular at all with anyone except big city left wingers who feel like this is a play to race in America. And I tell you what, if you're black or Hispanic and you live in the communities being maligned by all this uh, uncontrolled immigration, it doesn't matter what your politics are. You're mad at the Democratic Party for pushing it. Yeah, I think so. Mercy, last one. 
Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> this, this is be, I, I, cut, I love this story because the more you dig in, by the way, it's a whole family venture. Okay, there's there's Hunter, the son, but there's also Jim, Joe's brother, and then there's their wives, and then there's in-laws, and then there's ex-wives. I mean, this is a uh, Miranda Devine was on earlier. This is a family grift story, and the idea here is mercy when they come around, like maybe they're going to have Easter dinner next Sunday, they don't talk about it, right? Joe doesn't know anything about this stuff, despite the fact, of course, that they've been paying out of these grifter funds from China and Ukraine and Russia. They've been paying his expenses for years. Now, this one's this one's not going to hold. This is not going to turn out well for Joe Biden. Oh, goodness. I agree with you. <laughs> I think as I'm starting to read more and more of these emails of Joe Biden uh, you're you're figuring out that Joe Biden was basically uh, part of many of these meetings. And you, let me tell you, you got to give credit to Hunter. I mean, he really knows how to use his father to be part of these meetings and really secure these, you know, million dollar deals for crying out loud. So I think this is a huge headache for the White House. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think once people start digging into more of these emails, it really will put Joe Biden in a very difficult position. I think it could lead to the point that Republicans may move forward with impeachment mm-hmm. of Joe Biden if we know for a fact that he was getting, uh, you know, cuts of these business deals. And remember, these are with foreign companies, uh, yes. you know, uh, based out of China and Ukraine and Russia. It's very problematic for this president. And, and, and I got to tell you, uh, it shows you one thing. What was Hunter thinking? Uh, putting this all on email and text and knowing that he can't get away with it. He's going to be busted on the Foreign Intelligence Act, too, and he didn't register as a foreign lobbyist. Anyway, mercy slap, thank you. Match slap, thank you. Love both of you. Terrific stuff.